Welcome to One Block with Lupka. If you're watching this, you know it's time to take a walk because I'm here with Stefan Levera. So Stefan was computing hashes by hand when you were in Bitcoin diapers. He, he dreams of elliptic curved <laughs> cryptography. You think you've been into Bitcoin for a while. You got nothing on Stefan. Pleasure to be with you here today, man. Hey, thanks, man. Look, I, I'm a 2013er. I, you know, I look at, honestly, the guys from 2010 and 2011 and earlier than that as the real, you know, OGs. Um, but yeah, glad, great to be here with you. A humble response, a response you sta uh, sat stacking psychopath. No, I'm kidding. Uh, That's right. Well, great, man. That's what we do. <laughs> That's what we do. Excited to be with you. So this podcast, I've, I, I'm having conversations with Bitcoiners and just wanting to find out a little bit about who are these people when they're not talking about Bitcoin, right? Like I think so many of us in the Bitcoin yeah. community, we've, you know, listened to people like you and others. And I thought it'd be fun to just take a walk and pick your brain a little bit about what you're interested in and like what's impacted your life outside of Bitcoin. And so I think first question I have for you is uh, what, what sort of like, what sort of practices, what sort of lifestyle changes, these could be health, these could be really anything. What, what made the most impact on your life? Like, what do you do on a regular basis that you discovered at some point in your life and has just really changed your ability to either perform or just navigate life well or something like that? Well, one big change, I think, from a diet perspective, obviously, a lot of Bitcoin people talk about, you know, the carnivore diet and stuff like that. I had a moment like that where my dad had to go through a big heart surgery, like this is years ago. And that was what kind of first put me into keto. And later, that sort of sent me down the carnivore train. And obviously, I was friends with um, Bitstein and Safetyn back in the day. So they were kind of going down that rabbit hole as well. So that kind of that's probably one example. I wouldn't say I'm a perfect carnivore, but I generally like when I'm at home, I try to you know, eat meat. And, uh, you know, I think going to the gym regularly as well, like lifting weights, let's say every, like, let's say three days, three or four days a week is sort of uh, a good, I think that's been a good thing for me. One thing I find is actually, if you don't go to the gym regularly, or if you don't even just do some basic workouts, you actually feel less energetic during the day. So it's, it's a kind of an interesting thing, but you actually feel more engaged when you're regularly working out, right? Like, and so that can be work, that can be, you know, doing weights, um, you know, I, so yeah, those are a few examples in terms of like diet and exercise stuff. Um, well, what, what else would I say? I think, you know, in terms of like productivity, getting stuff done, I think that angle is more like you've got to find the right habits to get into. You've got to prioritize as well. I think it's really important. Like, so as an example, there might be, you know, a day when there's so many different things on, right. I might be recording podcast stuff, writing articles and you know, planning trips because I'm going to some conference, this and that and the other. But it's more just like being good about prioritizing and understanding, okay, what is the, what are the key, let's say two or three things I need to get done today. And if I get these two or three things done for the day, then it was a good day. I think that's probably a key um, thing that sort of got to me. And I think some of these came from books that I read. Um, I can't remember the exact name. I think the guy's name was Duhigg and it was something like that one thing. It was like, what, was, what is the one thing you need to get done? So uh, that was an interesting insight yeah. for me. I love that. Uh, I love what you said. I think two things there. One is like, I hear you 100% on the kind of 
seemingly pa- the, the paradox of like, you go out, you work out, you, you lift weights, you do whatever it is, you do some sort of exercise. And there's kind of this like simple view where you'd think, well, I should feel tired after that. I just went and expended a bunch of energy. And so it would stand to reason that I have less energy, but really the opposite is true. Um, I heard this said once of like, you know, energy, like our perception of energy is, is neural. It's actually, it's in the brain and it's the more energy you expend, the more energy you have. And it's like a, you know, by, by doing, you actually get recharged. And I think like anybody can experience this pretty easily of like, it's actually one of the reasons I'm big on walking is because it's something you can do, you know, for, for a long amount of time, like relatively continuously, and it keeps your energy levels up. And like, you just contrast that against go sit on the couch for two hours and see how much energy you have after that. It's, it's far from recharging your battery. It actually drains it. Yeah. a hundred percent. I think, I think to sort of expand a bit on that idea, it's just, you know, you just feel better and okay. Straight after the workout, if you've been like lifting hard, maybe straight after the workout, you feel, you know, a bit more tired, but you get this kind of, let's call it a passive bonus for the rest of the week. You know, as long as you kind of go, let's say every second day, and that's kind of roughly the frequency I do. Not that I'm like trying to be a bodybuilder or whatever, or anything like that, but just kind of broad health, I think is a good focus, you know, and people should do that. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and then on your, on your point on prioritization, I think it's like, I think it's actually something so many people struggle with is like how to focus their energy, like how to focus their time and attention and to do what matters. I think the art of knowing what is important and what is not important is so critical. And it's like, I run, you know, I run the private client team for Swan and it's something I think about a lot is just like, where are we putting our attention? Are we wasting our time and energy? Like what, what is really essential and what is just unnecessary? And I think like doing that in your personal life is just critical. Yeah. One thing I'll add just quickly to that is this idea that when you're starting out, I think you just have to sort of say yes to everything. But then as you sort of get more opportunities coming your way, you actually need to be more selective. And so it's kind of like, this is a concept of like, what got you here won't get you there, right? So when you're starting out, you just kind of say yes to everything. But then once you start getting a lot of opportunities coming your way, you actually need to be more selective. And you actually, it kind of, it sounds harsh, but you have to get used to saying no a lot. And it's sad. And there are times where you would like to be able to do stuff, but it's simply, it just, you you know, you if you have so many things on, you've got to prioritize. And, you know, we've got family lives, right? I, I had a son recently, you know, everyone's got, you know, girlfriend, wife, son, whatever. Um, daughter, whatever. And, you know, you, you just have to really find the time to find what is, you know, what works for you along with all the other things in your life. That's awesome. And I, you know, I've had the same experience and I think both sides of that lesson are, are very true. And in the beginning, you've got to say yes to everything. And I can think about this, like when I, uh, I think I'd probably been with Swan for a year and I'd never really done any podcasts. I wasn't super out in the Bitcoin community doing things. And then there was a year, I think it was last year or like somewhere between last year and the year before. And I I started doing my first podcast. I started writing. I started. And for that year, I just said yes to everything. I just, I did every opportunity, every podcast, every speaking thing, every whatever. And, um, 
that was really good. And it, it got me comfortable doing those things. And it got me out in front of people and it got me in the community. And that was awesome. But at the end of that year, I was like, okay, I've done that. I've seen what happened, what was beneficial, what was not beneficial, what was great, what wasn't so great. And my commitment for next year is to be a little more selective and not just throw all my energy out there doing everything all the time. Uh, and that was also really good, like doing it and then not doing it both were critical. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of like what worked for you at that time, it was the right, it was the right decision at that time. But then later you've got to learn to shift because otherwise if you just keep saying yes to everything, all your time gets taken up for other people's stuff and that won't necessarily yes. be aligned with the priorities that you have for what you're trying to achieve. So, you know, I think that's an important thing for, for anyone. But of course, we as Bitcoiners, we're out here trying to spread the word. We're trying to maximize our outcomes or our effectiveness. So, you know, it's just important to keep that in mind. 100%. And I think um, probably the last thing I'll touch on, you actually said something there that I really love of, you said it was right for you at that time. And, and that's actually a principle I think like doesn't get discussed enough in society is um, the sort of like the, the right time-ness of something, like of knowing when something that you might want, like, you know, we all have desires and goals for ourselves and that's great. And you should have things that drive you. But being able to like sense into or navigate if it's the right time for those pursuits, desires, or goals, I think is critical. I think it, it's so important. It's so important to be able to sense into and know if this is something that is like a fit for your life, for you, for where you're at in the kind of totality of your circumstances right now. And I think when you line up in that way and you recognize like, yes, this is right for me to do, this makes sense in my life, or hey, I might really want to do this thing or want this thing, but actually like doing this right now would make my life chaotic. And I think like navigating between those two things is critical. Absolutely. There's different ways to think about that. So one is a financial monetary sense, right? One is just kind of like, you could look at, okay, what's your annual salary divided by 2000? I mean, just to pick numbers, right? Let's say for hypothetical, let's say this person is earning a hundred thousand a year. They, they, their time is theoretically at a 40 hour work week is worth $50 an hour. So financially you have to think, okay, the amount of time I'm going to spend on this, am I going to earn back more than that? And that's kind of the financial aspect. And then there's also, you know, other parts you layer in there, right? Like, is this going to work with my family? Is this going to work with other priorities as well? So, I mean, the financial layer is one obviously important thing, but there are other, let's say, uh, lenses that you can come to that with. Awesome. Okay. One final question for you. Um, what personal values or virtues do you either hold or aspire to that you think are not reflected in society right now. So when you look out at society, at modern society, what like personal values do you think are lacking that you hold very closely? I think it's just that nature of being a saving person. And that's probably not a common thing today, nowadays. Of course, someday on a Bitcoin standard, it will be common. But I grew up in a mindset of you should save most of your money, right? I started working at the local supermarket, you know, stacking shelves and pushing trolleys and things at four, uh, 14 years and eight months. And I saved most of that money. Whereas like maybe other colleagues I had, they would kind of take that money and go buy a PlayStation straight away with their first $300 or whatever that they earned, you know? And I just kind of had this mindset of, 
I need to save. And so I think naturally as a Bitcoiner, right, stacking sats, obviously there's a very strong connection there. Um, so I think that's probably one thing that will change once we move to a Bitcoin standard someday. But uh, for now, it's very common that people are living on credit and they're living above their means. So for me, it's very important to live within your means, right? It doesn't matter how much you're earning, right? If you're earning 40K a year, 100K a year, 500K a year, you've got to live within your means. And there are, it's funny because you'll see if you talk to, let's say, high skill professionals, like maybe lawyers and doctors and things like that, you'll find many of them, or maybe they've got friends who are, who are high earners, but they still spend way more than they earn. And so that yes. can be a trap yes. at all income levels, not just kind of like, oh, if you're poor, you're spending more than, no, actually there are like high income people who still have a low net worth because they, they're just blowing it on useless things. So I think that's probably an important, you know, thing for a Bitcoiner to think about is, okay, what's my savings rate? Or if you're operating a company, you think about what's my burn rate? You can think of that, like what's my burn rate as an individual or what's the burn rate for my family? Like how many, you know, and as Bitcoiners, we think in terms of Bitcoin, I think, well, what's my burn rate in Bitcoin terms for a year for me to sustain myself and my family, like paying for rent and food and all the typical things that we need? How much is that? And what's my income and how, you know, make sure I'm within that. So I think that's an important framework that people should apply. Um, what else in terms of values that I hold? Um, I just think I have a strong sense of responsibility. And I think that matters like in terms of like okay, the responsibility for my family, the responsibility. I think that is also an important aspect. And I think, of course, in Bitcoin, it's not your keys, not your coins. So you have to think about. Yeah. the responsibility you take when you self custody your coins or all kinds of things, right? I just think it's an important yes. aspect that we all have to think about. Okay, none of us are perfect, right? As I said, but you just got, you've got to try. You've got to make a good faith effort to be a responsible person. And I think the fiat system in some ways, like is almost antithetical to the value of responsibility because like the underlying push of the fiat system is when something goes wrong, we can print money to bail it out. That's kind of a diffusal of responsibility. That's kind of saying that we don't have the skin in the game responsibility to make sure that something goes right. And then if it goes wrong, we bear the consequences. It's instead the system which Absolutely. has prioritized uh, always a bailout, you know? And that's, and that's, yeah, it's antithetical to responsibility. Well, Stefan, it's been a pleasure. It's been great chatting with you. Uh, this has been One Block with Lupka, and I uh, hope to talk with you again, my friend. Be well. Thanks, Stephen. Chat soon. Bye.